Dusty, what's the one book you can always find in our car when we're on a trip? Honestly, Mike, it is usually a Moon travel guide. That's right. Moon is our favorite travel guidebook publisher because not only are they a source for ethical travel and the best ways to get away, but their books also are packed full of information on everything from sites to see, trails to hike, restaurants, and lodging, all from real authors who are local to the areas they're writing about. That's right. And we're so excited that this year we are again partnering with Moon Travel Guides. Ready to cross something off your travel bucket list in 2024? Have a lot of great ideas for trips, but don't know how to get started or keep your itinerary organized? Wherever your wanderings might take you or inspire you to go, Moon Travel has you covered. Moon Travel is the travel guidebook publisher for ethical travel. Don't spend months trying to craft the perfect getaway when you can do it all with Moon. Whether you're headed abroad, planning to take to the open road, or want to wander the trails of a national park, make sure to pack a Moon Travel Guide with you. Through the end of 2024, our listeners can get 20% off any Moon Travel Guide when they use the code GAZE20 at checkout. That's amazing. And that is code GAZE24, G-A-Z-E-2-4 for 20% off any Moon travel guide in Moon's entire library. And that is just for our listeners, and you cannot find that anywhere else. Be sure to visit Moon.com. Head to our show notes and check it out and see Moon's entire collection of travel guidebooks. Hello and welcome to Pride Mix here at Gaze at the National Parks, the podcast. June is LGBTQIA plus Pride Month. During the month of June, our trail mix episodes are called Pride Mixes. Pride Mix is a chance for us to dive deep into queer history and in some cases how queer history intersects with the National Parks and the National Park Service's role as America's storyteller. While in our Pride Mix episodes from season two and three, we turned our focus on events and people in history, specifically in New York and San Francisco, to help illuminate the contributions of queer people in the LGBTQ plus movement, last year we turned our focus on laws which have been enacted against the LGBTQ plus community. These laws included anti-trans legislation, which is aggressively worsening, and don't say gay laws, which are continuing to expand. These laws are baselessly driven by legislators and politicians who, rather than dealing with the real issues and injustices, would prefer to continue to placate a radical right conservative Christian base with the LGBTQ plus community as a sacrificial lamb. While we wish this wasn't the case, this is where we are. However, we refuse to despair and seek to fight onward by educating as many people as we can reach. Today's Pride Mix is about the anti-drag legislation that has gained traction in the last year and how these laws are far from new and incredibly regressive. Trigger warning, in order to offer context for the argument against drag, the term grooming, which is often associated with childhood sexual abuse, is spoken throughout this episode as it is language that has been spouted by the right to slander and scapegoat the LGBTQ plus community. To start, we have to have a better understanding of what caused the fervor over drag in the first place, an art form that dates back to the time of Shakespeare and even further ancient Greece. And what the opponents of drag will tell you is that it is all in the name of protecting children. Protecting children from over-sexualized content and from sexual grooming, which obviously no one is advocating for grooming of children, except for some members of the clergy and members of the Republican Party. All kidding aside, you should check your 
tracks and come correct before attacking drag performers, when time and time again, members of the church and the conservative right seem to have the market cornered on grooming. And while this seems like a harsh take, I say, we have the receipts. The LGBTQ plus community has been hit fairly hard and without due course in so much of our modern era that a little truth ain't the worst thing when it comes to mudslingers and wrongdoers themselves. So, Mike's moment of truth aside, this is a Mike moment of truth. Sort of like a tagline for a Lifetime original series. Why is drag all of a sudden the hot topic of conversation and leading scapegoat among the right? Well, sociologist Jeffrey Victor calls what is happening with drag a, quote, rumor panic. This is where there is a widespread and unfounded belief of a sudden threat to communities, particularly that of children, which is rooted in falsehoods and fabricated stories. Victor goes on to explain that when it comes to Christian nationalism, which is a perversion of the Christian faith to suit the needs of those espousing the teachings of the Bible and the teachings of Christ to fit their own twisted vision, the fact that modern America has shifted and changed and that there is a greater visibility and greater acceptance of people of color and LGBTQ plus people has created a status stress for these aforementioned white Christian nationalists. A status stress is defined as a stress among those in high status due to shifting intergroup status relations. This can be seen as being played out in other ways in the Republican Party. Uh, We are not sorry if you are offended by this. This trend is real. When candidates suggest raising the voting age after high Gen Z turnout, which squashed a supposed red wave in the 2022 midterm election, elections or in gerrymandering voting districts or in raising the threshold to pass constitutional amendments in state houses from 50% to 60%, looking at you, Ohio, as it was passed through the Ohio Senate in May, and to wait the decision of the voters, this is clearly a response to the enshrinement of abortion rights in other state houses after bans or attempted bans were put in place. While it is a tale as old as time and slightly off topic, the party of, quote, law and order seems to be more of a party of, quote, cheat them and screw them any way you can, end quote. The status stress of changing dynamics within America have sent white Christian nationalists into a fury. Clearly, while the LGBTQ plus community had gained greater acceptance and greater visibility through the tail end of the 20th and early part of the 21st century, the threat of a skewed, quote, traditional values has reached a tipping point, and clearly, for the right, it's time to act and save America now. Hence, the overwhelming amount of laws that have come up in state houses across the country targeting trans individuals and now drag. Drag just happens to be an incredibly convenient target because not only is it public, but it also allows for pundits and talking heads to point to drag and conflate it with what it is to be trans, effectively bundling their argument together while pointing to very public figures and faces. While there is nothing new about targeting the LGBTQ plus community, or at the very least denying them human rights, the anti-drag sentiment has bubbled up from darker places on the internet, those haunts of white supremacy, and found roots in domestic terrorist groups like the Proud Boys and mouthpieces in politicians who seek to keep a captive audience and voting bloc through fear. Emboldened by leaders who have no moral scruples, despite saying quite the contrary, and the overturn of Roe versus Wade has opened the door to a playground of regressive policy for the right. Drag performances like trans rights happen to be the hottest topics to be attacked. 
But laws restricting gender expression in America are nothing new. In fact, they are over 150 years old, New York and San Francisco having some of the first. The New York law, considered a masquerade law, declared that it was a crime to have your, quote, face painted, discolored, covered, or concealed, or be otherwise disguised while in a road or public highway, end quote. Now, this law was not intended to target people in drag when it was originally enacted, but rather to punish rural farmers who dressed as indigenous people in order to fight off tax collectors. Yes, this is a whole other topic to dig into. But when you know it, this law that had nothing to do with what we know as drag was used to suppress people's gender expression, even though it didn't specifically mention cross-dressing. No matter tailor existing policy to suit your needs, as at the start of the 20th century, there was an increasing concern and labeling of gender inappropriateness as a mental health condition. As the 20th century ebbed on, greater panic over the LGBTQ plus community saw continued arrest around utilizing the masquerade law, which soon came to be known as the, quote, three article law, or the amount of clothing of your assigned gender you needed to be wearing to avoid arrest. Details regarding these laws are tangential at best, as no documents can be reproduced to show them actually on the books. However, for the people who often experience these types of arrests and oral history that was left behind by members of the LGBTQ plus community regarding this period, they were in fact very real. Very real, but very vague. It is possible that the evolution of the masquerade laws of the 19th century, which flourished around the country into what was known as a three-article or three-piece law were either an informal police rule or a way in which members of the LGBTQ plus community could warn one another as bar raids became a commonplace occurrence. I'm going to put another photo of Florida in 2023 right by my face right now. Vagaries seem to be a commonality between these laws of the past and present, as the Tennessee law, known as Tennessee Senate Bill 3, which is the only statewide ban at the time of this episode recording in May of 2023, is left rather vague. Drag is called, quote, adult cabaret, end quote, and drag performers are labeled as, quote, male or female impersonators who provide entertainment that appeals to a prurient interest, end quote. This law is a ban on any type of, quote, adult cabaret where minors could watch. This leaves the doorway open for a lot of interpretation and a good deal of worry when it comes to how the law could be used because of its vagaries. Lady vagaries, everybody. Mm -hmm. If you look at the masquerade laws of the 19th century, it's clear that it doesn't take a great deal to stretch the parameters of a law that was intended for other uses. And if the worry is about the impact of drag on minors, as drag brunches and drag story hours have become more of a commonplace, there is no research to show impact on children, whether it be long-term psychological consequences or childhood sexual abuse from exposure to drag. According to Dr. Elizabeth Jeglick, a clinical psychologist and professor of psychology at John Jay College of Criminal Justice, when it comes to banning drag, quote, if the rationale is to protect children from being sexually abused, that is not going to be helpful in this specific instance. Making laws specific to drag performance is not necessary, end quote. While the bill does not specifically mention drag, but rather refers to adult cabaret with male and female impersonators, one can easily read between the lines and know that politicians aren't to be trusted with how they 
place, spin a narrative, or a law. If you're wondering how the First Amendment plays into all of this, specifically the part about freedom of speech, which provides cover often for artistic purposes, so are many others. A lot of the argument against drag is that it is obscene, especially in regards to the presence of minors. Really, it's like only if it's like a shake-and-go wig. (laughs) Then it's obscene. Sure. Expressive conduct. Think theater, art, dance, or drag, which is a combination of all of these things, is shielded by the First Amendment. And the government cannot simply ban something because it finds that it is offensive or it doesn't like its content. However, while children do have First Amendment rights, they are less than that of adults. And on grounds of inappropriateness for children, the law breaks both ways. For instance, in 1975, a law was struck down that tried to ban drive-in movie theaters from screening movies with nudity because minors could inadvertently drive by and see the nudity themselves. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, laws that limit the scope of bookstore displays, which may be considered obscene, have been upheld. Generally, a lot of this deals with what is considered to be legally obscene. Three rules include, one, an appeal to the average person's prurient, shameful, or morbid interest in sex. Two, it must depict sexual conduct in patently offensive ways, as defined by community standards. And three, it as a whole must lack serious, artistic, literary, political, or scientific value. Wow. I love how prurient, it's a hard word to say. I love how prurient means shameful or morbid. Like, Mm -hmm. we should feel shameful for thinking about sex. Well, hello? Thanks, Puritans. Thanks a lot, Puritans. That's a Tracy Jordan quote. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So while it is likely that as laws like this find their way into the courtroom, they will most likely be struck down. But the question mark still remains. While the law does specifically zero in on minors and attendance of drag shows, for many it feels as though the law may have a greater reach and be interpreted more broadly. And while there is hope for the law to be struck down in the way that Tennessee has written it, it is clear they are jockeying to target drag as something obscene and are hopeful that this, quote, harmful to minors, end quote, law will stick. Other states with proposed drag laws include Arizona, Arkansas, Idaho, Kansas, Kentucky, Missouri, Montana, Nebraska, South Carolina, Texas, and West Virginia. I'm really quite tired. Mm -hmm. Sort of like the Axis powers in the war against LGBTQ plus people. And while these laws seek to limit drag in the presence of minors because these legislatures deem the performance obscene and an act of grooming... The laws ultimately seek to eat away at the freedom of expression, LGBTQ plus rights, and queer and trans identity. The sources for today's episode include the CBS News article, How Drag Queens Got Dragged Into Politics by Roman Fieser. The NPR article, The Anti-Drag Bills Sweeping the U.S., are straight from history's playbook by Manuela Lopez Restrepo. The History.com article, How Dressing in Drag Was Labeled a Crime in the 20th Century by Hugh Ryan. The Time article, Tennessee passed the nation's first law limiting drag shows. Here's the status of anti-drag bills across the U.S. by Solsire Berga. The First Amendment Encyclopedia article titled Drag Show Laws by Kathleen Carlson. The Pride.com article, The Rights Bizarre Anti-Drag Campaign Explained by Adam L. Brinklow. 
This is Dusty from the future. This episode that you are listening to was recorded about a month and a half prior to its launch in mid-June 2023. During that time, the Tennessee law at the core of this episode, Tennessee Senate Bill 3, was struck down in early June 2023. This victory is incredible and absolutely supported by the First Amendment regarding freedom of speech. That being said, we felt the integrity of the episode important as drag, queerness, and the LGBTQ plus community has consistently been marginalized and suppressed throughout history of this nation. This episode highlights just that in relation to drag. While the federal courts have found this type of law unconstitutional, it is clear that the Christian nationalist agenda makes no room for anything other than straight, cisgender, heteronormativity. While there is a victory in Tennessee related to this drag bill, other bills related to trans youth and gender-affirming care are still very much in place, though are also being challenged. This is a good time to remind everyone that local elections matter. Whether it is for a school board, sheriff, or state legislator, voting is a privilege that should not be overlooked. As we have seen all too often, elections have consequences. Remember to stay active when it comes to elections and be able to make informed, fact-driven choices. This has been Pride Mix by Gaze at the National Parks, the podcast. And we're here to remind you to pride early and pride often, and that your pride means nothing unless it's intersectional. Gaze at the National Parks was created and is hosted by us, Dustin Ballard and Michael Ryan. To see images from this episode, follow our Instagram at Gaze at the National Parks. To contact us, email us at gazeatthenationalparks at gmail.com. And to find out more about the parks visited on this episode, visit our website, gazeatthenationalparks.com. That's gaze, G-A-Z-E. All original artwork featured on Instagram, on our website, and in the gaze shop is by me, Michael Ryan. All original music was written and performed by Dave Seaman and Mariella Klinger with Sean Sklios on guitar. Our music producer is Skylar Fortgang. This episode was edited by me, Dustin Ballard. We would also like to acknowledge that while recording this episode, that we were on the traditional and stolen lands of the Lenape people, also known as Ocean County, New Jersey. 